we can just keep it going. <laughs> Raising Nashville. Raising Nashville. Raising Nashville. Raising Nashville. Welcome to Raising Nashville. I'm Bucky. Juice box. And that must mean that we have entered Raising Nashville Podcast's favorite time of the year. I'm not talking about Christmas or winter or summer or spring or any of that bullshit. What time of year is it even anymore? Right. What does that even mean? We don't know because the weather consistently changes, but it does mean that we have entered the greatest month of all months of all time. Yep. And that is October. As uh, many of our loyal listenership may know, we on this podcast absolutely love this month. It gives us uh, an opportunity to spread our wings and fly among the witches and bats. And I was really wondering where that was going right there. Like horrors. <laughs> if you could see him, he's spreading his arms out right now. He's like acting out whatever he's going for. I can hardly contain my excitement. It is my favorite month of the year. It is October. So many things. Among leaves changing and fall breaks and things like that, we do get to deal with our favorite holiday of the year, and that is Halloween. As most of you know, last year we did a four-part Halloween-type run in October uh, on this podcast where we did everything from going to what the bell witch cave yep went to the bell witch cave we did a review of a couple hundred houses shout out to beast house i don't know if you exist anymore but <laughs> you, you were an amazing haunted house yeah i then that brings up a good point it is uh, you know the beginning of october we have no idea if haunted houses are going to be a thing we don't know if trick-or-treating is going to be a thing but we wanted to kick the month off with doing something incredibly special for you guys and that is reviewing John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror blockbuster, The Thing. Was it a blockbuster? I don't know. And we might get into that. I guess that we could talk about that. A little bit in the episode. Um, but we are going to kick this season off with reviewing a horror movie. It is often considered the number one horror movie of all time. And it, I, I think it stands up to that. It possibly could, but we couldn't do this alone. Juicebox and I are only two guys that sit here and talk to you guys every week. Uh, in order to review a movie like The Thing, we had to bring in our favorite thing that we've ever known, and that is, ladies and gentlemen, the Nashville Yeti is back with us once more. Oh, thank you for having me. You're making me blush. It's I'm I'm truly grateful to have been foraging around the uh, the the buffalo out on Dickerson Pike and and seen a gentleman roll up and say, "Hey, you look familiar. What are you doing in these parts?" And say, "Oh, I'm just foraging around the buffalo at Dickerson Pike." So uh, it's kind of a weird story, but here I am. It's kind of a weird, it's a strange happenstance that we happen to run into the Nashville Yeti after being gone. For almost five years now. At uh, least. At, at least five years. We haven't heard from him in quite a while. Uh, let's refresh our listenership's memory on the Nashville Yeti's existence uh, back when he did live here. Yeah, I think um, what uh, Nashville Yeti claimed to fame, he was on Sports Center for one half of a second, 
if that. <laughs> yeah, on one of those uh like the montage openings, the yeah. Nashville Yeti made sports history that day by being on Sports Center. True. Um Demetria Kaladimos also said my name and she said you want to know more about the Nashville Yeti? And then it was a sick shot of me in the snow. Yes, I remember that. The Nashville Yeti actually led a uh, freeze or flash mob in Rivergate Mall about 10 years ago. So, Nashville Yeti, what have you been up to for the last five to 10 years (laughs) since we've seen you? We haven't seen you in a while. Do you want to know the truth? Yeah, because since you left, there are are these two guys on Broadway called the Bang Twin, Bang This Twins, and they kind of took over your run, and it kind of made us mad. You left. We just found you on Dickerson Road. We got you in here to do a podcast today, and we are so happy. So tell us what you have been up to, what we've been missing. First of all, let me stop you at the Bang This Twins, because it's interesting that you bring that up. Just two Christmases ago, I came back to visit, didn't tell anyone I was here, and I made a stop at China One on Lebanon Pike in Donaldson for my usual, (laughs) my go-to Chinese kind of junk spot. Anyway, the Bang Twins, this, were both in there. They're still here, and they're so popular. Yeah. They weren't nearly, they, they, they are finally, after about 10 years, garnered the fame that you rose to when you were walking around things like the the car shows and you know the uh nashville boat shows wanted started to hire you to walk around their show floor that was i mean that was some pretty big stuff that's mighty generous of you bucky yeah well uh we're so happy to have our again our favorite thing the nashville yeti you can find him on facebook nashville yeti i think can uh, you <laughs> on instagram at nashville yeti as well to follow him and see what he's been up to we hear that he moved to san diego some time ago in such beautiful southern sunny california and he's been living out there so from a yeti who's an abominable snowman who is used to the cold how has California been? It's been okay. Um, I will say this time of year I had to um, I had to get out. Granted, I didn't come to the coolest place. It's a bit <laughs> humid, but um, it's like walking through a dog's mouth or soup, if you will. Um, it's not been a bad adjustment. So, Yeti, ha- have you been scared by the uh, COVID pandemic, or are Yetis immune to COVID? Well... I took an antibodies test, and it came back green. Is that good or bad? I don't, I don't know. know. Fair enough. Well, we hope that uh, we are all being safe, and, you know, uh, I don't see a mask on, but there's a lot of fur there in front of his mouth. But anyway, again, we're happy to have the Nashville Yeti here in the studio to help us review John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, let's talk about this fucking movie, man. I want to start by saying the opening sequence, or let's call it the marquee of the movie, when they put the words of the title of the film on the screen, Yeah, right? This is an iconic thing. Mm -hmm. The way that the light shoots through the dark, and you've never seen anything like this before. But the, the only problem I had with it is it reminded me of the words Stephen King, and oh, I yeah. think it was because the ki- the thing, and I just got confused. What are you thinking of there? Because I'm th- I, like people under the stairs or yeah, something some, like that. Something. But it was very Stephen Kingish, and I just couldn't get that out of my head until 
the man, the myth, the legend, in my opinion, one of the greatest action actors of all time, appears on the screen, and we were talking about none other than Kurt Russell. Yep. The fucking man. Just majestic in his first shot, just looking great. He is. He is Mountain Man Kurt Russell. I mean, he's played many films, right? Or played many uh, characters in films. He has been... Elvis in 3,000 Miles to Graceland, right? Uh, he's played a dirty cop in Tango and Cash. He's right? played he's, Santa Claus. He, I was going to get to that. He was in oh, that sorry. one Christmas movie that you love, Juicebox. I actually hated that Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. uh, he was what? Wyatt Earp in Tombstone? Yep. Um, he's done a lot of really good Hold things. Up. You're skipping over the best one. Escape from New York? He was fucking Captain Ron. Ah, he was Captain Ron. I cannot believe I did not write that down. Yeah, you missed it, man. Captain Ron was a big one. Uh, big Back trouble. Draft. In, yeah, big trouble in Little China. I mean, overboard. This, this guy has done it all, and in this film, he is he is the version of Kurt Russell that is a mountain man, and it's shown many times through the movie, including the hat. There are a lot of his overalls. I mean... I think his official rank is helicopter pilot. They say that at some point in the film. Because I made a note that was like, what the fuck is Kurt Russell's point? Like, who who is he in this movie? Because he's just like, first to grab a gun and shoot some people and shoot some stuff. And then he's also piloting the helicopter. Yeah, he's the transport guy with a past, is what he is. And... He's the transporter? There's a transporter prequel? Is that what you're saying? transporter. He takes people on helicopter from place to Norwegian base, back to their base. You know, he's the guy who shuffles people around. Right. But he has a dark and seedy past, and that's how he knows how to use a gun so well. Oh, is this a backstory you created, or is this something I missed? (laughs) I think it could also be all the scotch. It it could be. Kurt Russell has a drinking problem in this movie. You're right. Um, He really loves J&B. And there are many times where he takes the bottle straight to the lips and... Uh, or a glass, or in fact, that's one of the first times. First times you see Kurt Russell in this movie. It, I have to bring this up: is he is playing a video game, right? They're in a rec room, and he is playing a video game called Chess Wizard on an old like computer. Right. I wrote that down too. It's just chess computer was what it was. <laughs> yes. Like it, was it is just an entire computer up. that plays one <laughs> single game. It's like the original arcade, although they had an arcade game in this ch- in this rec room but i didn't understand this computer and then kurt russell loses at chess to the computer right wait 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 wait. hold on first he talks shit to the computer he's like ah, i think you're slipping missy and then he makes his move and then she a makes robotic his move. computer check me check me so the computer wins, and then he opens up this little panel in the front and pours his scotch into the computer, therefore rendering it useless. completely useless as a computer or just a single thing called Chess Wizard. Well, I mean, we can talk about Kurt Russell's drinking a little bit more throughout the film because, it, like, he is just like at some of the most inoper or some of the most strange times to start drinking. It's just like, oh, hey, we just found this one hundred thousand year old spaceship. <laughs> I'm going to go up to my cabin and drink. (laughs) Hey, man, some people have problems. Anyway, let's get into a couple of people who, before we get into the next scene, who acted in this film. We are all about actors on Raising Nashville. Uh, Nashville Yeti, I have to ask you, do you know who Wilford Brimley is? 
Yes, yes, he's the guy from Cocoon and the Diabetes commercials. <laughs> and was he in Escape from Witch Mountain? Maybe. It seems like he could have been, but that is a very good guess. Wilford Brimley plays a doctor in this movie. He is from the famed Cocoon. Uh, that's what all I knew him from before those commercials that you guys are talking about. You knew him from Cocoon? I did. Oh, yeah. My grandmother loved that movie. But, but can you check the Escape from Witch Mountain thing? Is, Just curious. <laughs> we sure, will. Sure thing, Yeti. We also have to talk about the radio guy. Um, well, he had a Windows. strange name. Windows. The name Windows. Um, this is classic guy with curly hair. He is constantly wearing sunglasses inside a base in Antarctica. It doesn't matter. Nighttime, daytime, he's got sunglasses on, a red vest. His name's Thomas Waits, and he does come from the... Tom mo- Waits? Like, <laughs> not, like not, Tom, not that Tom Waits. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, that dude looked a lot different. This Tom Waits was part of the movie Warriors, you know. Come out to play. Of he, course, uh, yeah, of course we know I, the Warriors. I, exactly. So he is wearing the exact same outfit he was wearing in the Warriors in this film. Same hair, same sunglasses. <laughs> same red vest. <laughs> All he's missing is he has the shirt underneath because they constantly say throughout this film it's 40 degrees below zero. Nobody is ever dressed like it. No shit. And I don't care. Like, what kind of heating system do they have in this base? Because it's like, obviously, maybe about 68 degrees inside. <laughs> it's true. Also in this film is the dad from pretty much uh, my favorite 80s movies. He plays a couple of different dads in the 80s. Of course, we're talking about Richard Masser from License to Drive, a totally Corey film. I know that uh, the Nashville Yeti is totally into the totally Corey films. That's enough. <laughs> uh, he is also the dad from My Girl. Um, you know, that Macaulay Culkin tried to oh, revive his career. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got bit up by a bunch of bees. He's also... He it, tried to revive his career? I don't know. I feel know. like he was like at the peak of his career at that point. Maybe so. Uh, I don't know. What killed it? The Good Son? Because um, he was... I don't know. Even that was a good movie. It was. He was scary in that. Uh, also, the dad from Risky Business, um, which is, again, Richard Masser. Uh, look him up. I guarantee you will recognize who that is. Uh, finally, we, you know, there are a couple of different character actors on the sides, but we have to bring up one of our favorite all-time actors because uh, we don't know which one it is, so we're just going to call him David Keith David. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if it's David Keith or Keith David. It's easy to find out. Both are actors, David Keith and Keith David. They Their acting styles are nothing alike. They are not. They are nothing alike. But at the same time, it is very confusing because, I mean, firsty, firsty, you know? Yeah. So is this David Keith in this film or Keith David? It is Keith David. Okay. Keith David. David Keith David. David Keith David. Keith is- David. <laughs> He is young in this film. Uh, we know him from. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> we know him from later in life in movies like Requiem for a Dream. You know the pull it out for something Air about guy. yeah something about Mary yeah that and that yeah he's actually but even a, yeah he's in a bunch of films. Uh, is he in like one of the Fridays like Friday after next maybe um, I don't know I feel I feel like he's a pretty big actor that is David Keith David um, but he does a pretty good job in this film. All right, 
So I want to go right into the one of the opening scenes of the movie, and you see the uh, this Norwegian helicopter crew come in, and they are firing a gun at this dog. This dog is just cons- just running out in the middle of the Antarctic fucking planet. Antarctic right. snow. <laughs> the Antarctic planet. Yeah, right. And they are like, I mean, I guess I can't really speak because it's probably hard to shoot from a helicopter. But they are just like missing wildly, like trying to shoot this dog and also just flying wildly. Like I wrote down, this scene was incredible because if you think about it, like nowadays everything is like CGI or it's like, it's not a real helicopter flying around crazy. This helicopter was flying like barely above the snow, doing like all types of crazy maneuvers. This is one of the more entertaining scenes in the movie. But frustrating as well. The The scene is shot really well, but it's frustrating because this guy probably unloads a hundred rounds and right. doesn't hit this dog. Right. And like the dog is right below him. And then they land the helicopter and they still can't shoot the dog on the ground. Yeah, that they were pretty terrible about that. First of all, I was mad at them. I didn't. I was pissed that they were shooting at the dog. Is it the animal thing? Yeah. Yeah. Why you got to look out for your own? We didn't know. I I immediately hated them. And then we found out more. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. I'm going to have to agree with the Nashville Yeti. To me, I don't like opening a film with shooting at a dog. Like, we don't know what the dog (laughs) did. No, I'm not (laughs) trying to get like that. I know, but I I have to recognize this. Is this dog just... The film opens and he's running across the Antarctic like a beautiful dog running in the snow. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this helicopter comes up over the hill and somebody's shooting at him. At least explain why somebody's shooting at the dog before you open the film like that. Like, just put words up there. Like, hey, this dog just escaped from this Norwegian, you know prison or this norwegian bunker and no, no don't do that that's what made it that much better like obviously we have we all had a reaction and it was the wrong reaction to have because that dog was an alien or whatever that's true but i, I, I love one more thing about that scene like the whole the first scene of the movie starts with like um a handheld camera shot like it's a little shaky and it's just like you you watch the helicopter come in and there's hardly any other scenes in the movie or any other shots in the movie that are that like shaky handheld cam i just feel like they establish such a weight like a that shit is off right from the beginning with that shot yeah so sorry to nerd out but that opening scene was great it was yes i do agree with you that the cinematography in the beginning was amazing wait, 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 wait. because there was a cabbage well, patch hold kid on. Nashville and Yeti. a Na- pound hold puppy whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Nashville Yeti. Hold on. Why is your voice changing? Like, what happened? Yeah, what is up with that? Yeah, we should probably just talk normal, like a human. (laughs) What? Wait, 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 wait. How long have I known you? Well, a really long time, but I never talk like you guys. Wait a minute. We understand your looks. I get it. The white, the, you know, it's, you you probably need to, you know, brush your teeth or clean around the mouth a little more. But the voice was, to me, I thought it was genuine. But it's not? You're telling me this has all been a lie? No, no, no. It's not been a lie. This is a lie, the way I'm talking now. But I just feel like the conversation might flow a little bit better if I talk like you guys. Okay. Oh, impressive. So it's like knowing a second language. In a way. And one that talks... It's like knowing a country accent. Yeah. 
guess that's true. That's right. All right. I, I guess we do feel a little bit more comfortable talking with you like this. All right. So back to the thing. And we're, again, so glad that you're here. Uh, next thing that happens in the movie is we discover the alien. I wrote down it looks just like a garbage pail kid with, like, the split face. Like I little d- cards you used to collect. Yes. I wish we would have known who that person's name was, like... Let's say his name was Sven. Give me your best garbage pail came garbage pail kid name for Sven. Uh, I don't know, like Split Sven. It's that's not bad. Like you got to come up with a name because I originally wrote this down. If it was Kurt Russell that was the alien and it had a split face, it would be Splurt Russell. But. <laughs> But then I wasn't a hundred percent sure if "splurt" was a word. I, I think I was looking for "splat" Russell, but it came out "splurt." I don't hmm. think "splurt" is a word, but honestly, in Garbage Pail Kids, it makes sense. It could. Um, that, but the alien. I love how they just found the alien. Alien. It, it you know, it was just kind of there, right? And oh, they discovered the alien. They're just like. Yeah, let's put it in this tarp and put it in our helicopter and take it back to our base. Not knowing anything about it. Right. They get it back to the base. The doctor just goes straight into the alien. No hesitation. Only wearing gloves. That's it. Right. We live in a time of COVID where I have to wear a mask to go in a gas station. And this guy is going straight into a thing that he's never seen in his life. Nobody in the world has ever discovered anything like this. And he goes straight in with a pair of fucking yellow gloves you find underneath your kitchen sink. It wasn't even that. They were like smaller than that. And can we just talk about how gross that shit was? Like he is just like peeling back or he's pulling out guts and peeling back labors of this alien granted that's like two different times i'm talking about but sure i mean this dude is just like all in on guts they were all really casual about it they're like hey we found this uh yeah what how did all just them two get it in what the hell was their like mission originally like (laughs) I, are they just like doing ice samples or something? Like, what gives them the expertise to have anything to do with this mutated body that they found? Like, I'm put that you, shit outside and call somebody on the radio. It's their made up backgrounds. I, I could make up one for each one of them, but they all must come from pretty dark places to be able to handle this without just like freaking out. I mean, you find something like that, you're right. You walk it off, you bury it in the snow, you probably hope it doesn't come back. I mean, Kurt Russell's solution is just to drink every single time that happens. Every single time <laughs> something bad happens at the movie. He reminds me of like, the Nashville my- Yeti. That's, that's actually a great point, though. We got zero backstory on any characters. Most you don't of, need it in this type of movie. No, just a bunch of burly guys uh, up on, you know, we didn't get backstories really on the rigors and Independence Day either, you know, but they were all placed together. Please don't compare this movie to <laughs> Sorry, fucking Armageddon. Day. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Look, I know you hate my movie references. I mean, you compare every single movie to Armageddon. Of course I hate your movie references. I mean, among others, but I can clearly see the frustration on your face. Yeah, I'm I'm getting ready to like kick this mic stand over. What if I told you I had something for that? Oh, man. Did we just segue into the CBD commercial? That we did. All right, I'm listening. Speaking of the CBD, we have uh, spent most of this season kind of trying to figure out what kind of offers our, our listenership gets. 
So yeah, two tours reached out to us and they told us they were giving a really good deal like to people that were coming from the podcast. And they probably even told us what that deal was, but honestly, I don't think either one of us remembered it. We are so terrible for that. So they <laughs> did they did us a favor, and they reminded us. We mm-hmm. received a message from Two Tours that all of our listenership, if you go to twotours.com forward slash Raising Nashville, you can actually get 10% off any of your CBD orders and free shipping. I mean, free shipping, that's like, you have to pay, what, $120 a year for that from Amazon? You do. You're but getting wait. free shipping just ordering this. But wait, there's more. Hold up. We even get 10% of each item that you order. Are we supposed to tell people that? I don't know, but it is going to help. We can't just live off checks in the mail from Juicebox's mom. That's true. I'm not even sure what to do with a check anymore either. So this is a two for one. You help the podcast. You get some quality CBD. You get to... uh, if you're anything like me, just uh, put a couple drops of the CBD under your tongue every time Bucky starts comparing a movie to Armageddon. <laughs> TwoTours.com forward slash Raising Nashville. Go get your special offer today. Two Tours CBD. We came home together. We grow together. And now back to the show. All right. So soon after we discover that what the alien actually looks like in its human form or whatever you want to call it, uh, we realize that the dog is actually the alien too, or the alien had inhabited the dog because we find out shortly after that it's a shapeshifter. Right. So the dog turns alien, probably one of the more iconic scenes in this film or For sure. in any horror film, because this is the one that I really remember is the dog face peels back, turns into, you know... Some weird-looking, I don't feed me Seymour. Like I mean, the, it's the. I mean, this is what gave birth to like uh, the Demi Gorgon in uh, Stranger Things. That's like, it. It's like yeah. the same type of look. It is exactly it. That has to be where they got it, right? Um, I mean, they. Well, I mean, in Stranger Things, I feel like they pulled from several things to make that. But yeah, that so, whole opening up of the face, and then yeah. All right, so then the excursion finds a spaceship that you see kind of in the opening sequence when they, you know, bring up the thing on the marquee. Right. I don't know. Th- this didn't necessarily end up the direction I expected once they found the spaceship. That's the scene I was like, like, yeah, they found the spaceship. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. I feel like they pulled some, like, metal samples from it and took it back to their base or whatever. But that's when it was like Kurt Russell went back to the base and was like, I'm going to my cabin to get drunk. <laughs> like, that was his literal lines. I'm going to my cabin to get drunk after we found a 100,000-year-old spaceship buried in the ice. This also brings one of the best uh, wardrobe pieces of the entire movie, which is Kurt Russell's hat. <laughs> Pharrell's hat. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's like an old prospector hat. Pharrell could have worn this thing. I mean, it, it was like a sideways cowboy hat. Like, Yeah, what the hell was somewhat that? Somewhat sombrero. It's like one of those hats that has like buttons at the top where you can take the bill on the front and the back and button it up. But you know what, you guys? He fucking pulled it off. <laughs> he really he did. He did better than Arby. Uh, better than who? Arby. Who's Arby? Arby's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, moving on. Next, we realized that uh, all of a sudden we're in the midst of an alien pandemic. No shit. To watch this, like, in this, in, in 2020, like, come on, man. Like, they're like, this thing is highly contagious. It can jump to your body without, like, what would they say, like, droplets or something? Yeah, not wearing your mask. Which bothered me to, like, let's jump ahead just a tiny bit. Like, they all give their blood 
to test who to find out who is the alien like sure. later in the movie. In like, fact, spo- it's one of the scare. To me, it's the jumpiest part of the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, for sure. But they all use the same fucking knife to cut each other's fingers. So if there's like any like <laughs> contamination or anything, I mean, maybe they cleaned it off and they just didn't show that. But come on, it's just like a t-shirt wipe off, right? Like they get just wipe the blood off and go to the next, and they. That's another thing. Uh, I mean, we can you know fast forward through some of this because you yeah, guys we don't have need to dwell. Yeah, we don't need to dwell on everything. We just wanted to jump into some of our favorite scenes, which was next on my list because I said, "Dude, the blood sampling scene made me jump for real." And I've seen this movie at least three times, and we were all together in the same room. Which yeah. I mean, it made me jump. I don't know if I was zoned in or what, but it's a good one. Yeah, no, it is. I mean that that whole scene is super intense. That's the whole reason I go to horror films is to jump. Can um, we can we rewind real quick though and talk about Wilford Brimley diabetes again? Um, I, just I, let me out. I promise I won't hurt anybody. I'm right? better now. Okay, so did he become the thing after he was like doing all those like autopsies on the thing? Or I, I'm still a little confused about how he became the thing. I didn't think that. I didn't think he was the thing. I know it jumps from character to character throughout the entire thing. How? how but he did definitely he was the thing because they came back and to get him out of the, out of the uh, tool shed, and the door was busted open, and they found underneath the floor there was the alien spaceship that he was like building. Oh yeah. And then he like put his hand over the mouth of the one dude, and then became like the super alien. That's super right. Thing. There. Okay. There's a lot happening in this movie. There I mean, is a lot happening in this movie, but that's I, I don't understand like when he was infected and to go to that extent like why wasn't dad from License to Drive infected when the dog first went in his room like when we saw it at the beginning of the movie cuz it like the dog stayed in his room overnight and he takes it back the next day like he, he could have been infected in the opening scene. But he wasn't because they tested his blood and it didn't... Uh, yeah, the dad right. from License to Drive and other 80s films such as uh, My Girl and Risky Business, he got the shaft in this Make movie. sure you get them all in there. <laughs> yeah. He gets the shaft, right? They think he has this shit the entire time. They're all skeptical about him the whole movie. He's constantly being out. Like they're saying, go hang out over here, go stand in this corner, go in this room and get away from us. And then he gets killed by Kurt Russell. Because why did he pull the little knife on him? I don't know. But Kurt Russell. Because they thought him. Kurt Russell was the alien. Oh, yeah. They thought he was the thing. So he pulls out this little scalpel. Kurt Russell blasts him in the forehead, dead. Then they test his blood. No thing. So he basically got killed for being like a really big dog lover. Mm-hmm. Like he liked dogs more than he liked hanging out with people probably. That's why he was awkward around people. It's and tragic. he was trying to save the day and he got killed for it. That, and that those tragedies rarely happen in horror films. You know, normally it's people who deserve it. I mean, this is one of the one great guys who didn't deserve it. He did not. No. There are many people in this movie that although, did. Although he was trying to kill Kurt Russell. That is true. You can't go after you know one of the greatest action uh, actors of all time. Kurt Russell cannot die. Has he ever died in any movie? No, Probably uh, not. I don't know. But at the end of this oh, movie... Oh, I'm sorry. He died in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Gotcha. Um, I, I know there are a lot that he didn't. Uh, fa- <laughs> <laughs> fast forwarding. <clears throat> let's just end this thing. 
bunch of aliens. Aliens jump from people to people. We get a big alien at the end. Kurt Russell fights him, of course, because he's Kurt Russell and he's Mountain Man Kurt Russell. Um, he, I wrote down that he had a perfect throw of a small, very, very small stick of dynamite. Uh, I'm talking, it was tiny. Right. right, it's like an ink pen, just a little bit thicker, and he throws this across a room, nails this alien right in the mouth first time, like walks out, drops the mic on the exact quote, "Fuck you too." <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever said "fuck you" to him in the beginning. That was just the ending quote, like "fuck you too," hits him with the with the dynamite and blows the entire thing up. Oh, did it all. did uh, diabetes not say fuck you to him at some point? Because what wasn't that diabetes? Was it? I thought so. Wilford Brimley used an F word. Maybe not. I don't think he would. So anyway, like let's talk about the end there. There's been there. It feels like there's debate on the internet about what is actually the ending. Like, is uh, David Keith David the thing? Or is Kurt Russell. Exactly. Or are neither or are both. Actually, I don't know if you can be both because it's one thing. I wouldn't think that both. I think the like it has to be David Keith David, right? No. Because Kurt Russell just killed the other thing and they would have like melded together to make a giant thing to kill David Keith David otherwise. What if they both were because you remember the captured alien when they uh, worked on it? Wilford Bramley went in and something appeared out of that, right? Another alien. Yeah. There's also an alien in the dog at the same time at the same compound. Because okay. the dog carried it to him. So what if they're both the thing and that whole quote about we can sit here all night means they're just wait for the next crew to show up and then they take over. I guess the thing is we never, like, we saw Kurt Russell kill several versions of the thing. We never saw David Keith David kill any versions of the thing. He did. He shot. He had a flamethrower at one point. Huh. The second time the flamethrower. Oh, was but used. that was before he was infected. He was infected when he was lost in the snow, like at the very end. That that's the theory. See, then that that's, that is the theory. And that's why I that jar- that is an internet theory. And that's kind. I mean, the music beats of the movie kind of lead you in that direction, but. Which brings up another good point, because that is one thing that John Carpenter does very well, is gets you pretty confused. Um, I think he directed this film extremely well. I think this movie has an 8.1 on IMDb, and I feel like that's a little bit low. This is one of the, like... 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, It is constantly ranked up there. I didn't remember it being this good, but I thought it was, you know, pretty amazing. A lot of that is on John Carpenter. A lot of it is on the great acting skills of Kurt Russell. But you also (laughs) brought up another good point. And on his beautiful face. Of the score of this film, um, which is one of the more historic people who, you know, scores film, which is, uh, I think I pronounced his name, uh, Ennio Morricone. Um, who has done things like the good, the bad, and the ugly. In fact, that's kind of what he's known for. Uh, he's done The Exorcist in The Line of Fire, and then most recently he won you know, Academy Award for Best Score for The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's film. Yeah, all incredible films. And he, honestly, the music like from the get-go is drives this movie it no it, the music makes it like it, it just gives you that full 80s feel like that horror suspense like yeah. on the edge of your seat and uh, this guy i mean he he 
perfected his craft. He only died a couple of years ago at 91 years old. Right, like right after the Hateful Eight, right? Like yeah, right he after made he won that it. movie at like eight between his eight, 89 and 90th birthday. Yeah, um, which is insane. He worked that that much, but, but uh, yeah. It, it's an amazing sound, amazing score. Uh, I feel like the best thing about this movie is the pace of it. The pace of this movie is great. Like, you know, it's like there's a little bit of downtime and then you're back into this action or something crazy going on. There's a little bit of downtime. Like, it's just, I don't know. They did a great job, like, pacing it out. All right. Now that we've kind of given our thoughts on John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing, we want to go around the room and see if you recommend it, because we know a lot of people have time on their hands. Uh, We've had time on our hands for months and months and months. But this is October, so we want to kind of keep, you know, on theme. So um, let's just go around. Since the Nashville Yeti is with us in some very odd, uh, strange appearance here yeah. in Nashville. We'll let you get back to that grass by the buffalo in just a minute. Yeah, and tricking people with your apparently fake voice. But we, we, appreci- we appreciate you coming on today. Would you recommend The Thing and why? Um, absolutely. Uh, and I, 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 I feel like I've watched it over... I feel like I've watched it in the past 10 years, but I did not remember anything from right. that movie. And it, um, I would absolutely watch it again, especially if someone who hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time. Like you said, the pace was perfect. Super, like, edgier-seat thriller, like, sci-fi horror film. Um, love the special effects. I feel like those special effects, it's it's takes a lot more work to put into that than like CGI and it's just weirder and scarier in a way, which I love. I agree with that. And most of them held up some of those, like uh, when the uh, thing is like kind of scurrying across the floor, when it's like a spider type thing, that, that stuff didn't really hold up, but when it's in one place and it's just like a blob, like, you know, pulsing and the worms coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that is on point. Like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. And there was no CGI in that. That is all practical effects. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And it looks more realistic than anything that's around now. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. On point. Uh, Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to say it's great. I mean, there's a reason it's ranked up there. I don't know if it's considered the greatest uh, horror film of all time. It, It is on a few lists, but this is definitely one of the more entertaining things things i've seen in a long time i don't know if i would watch it you know on a consistent basis but in the dark with the music up loud on a big screen like if you get the opportunity to watch this this you know halloween season absolutely i recommend it it's funny that you mentioned that like not being the best horror movie a buddy of mine not you yeti but a, a friend of ours uh brought it up brought up a good point that is this even a horror movie or is it just a sci-fi movie and I guess it's like in line with aliens, like it's kind of both, but it probably is a little more sci-fi. All that aside, I definitely recommend watching it. I'm going to try to make Dana watch it sometime this month because it's definitely worth the end, and I know she hasn't seen it. Sure. Well, before we get out of here, um, I do have to bring up one more thing about The Thing. Um, it, it is something we caught very early, early on in this film. It has nothing to do with this podcast, but it's uh, you know a fun fact. Uh, the Nashville Yeti did bring up the fact that there is an associate producer in this film that's also doubles as one of the uh, helicopter 
drivers of the original Norwegian crew that contracted this virus and sent it off to Kurt Russell's crew. I believe he was the guy that tried to throw the grenade and then blew himself up. Is yeah. that right? I, Trying to dig it out. He like threw, 10 seconds threw a grenade, he threw but it fell behind him. Some like He's got to be the worst. He, he never threw catch with his dad. Like, like the, You can tell that. The thinking behind that, even, just grabbing a grenade, trying to blow up a wolf. Like yeah. So this guy's name is Larry Franco. And you might be familiar with the name Franco when it comes to Hollywood, right? Sure. James, Dave, um, it's not James Franco's dad, though. I I don't think. Are you sure? No, I have no idea. Okay. So I assumed that it was James Franco's dad. There's a very big resemblance there. Yeah, it does. It's not James Franco's dad. I looked it up after you guys were talking about this earlier. But it is actually Dave Franco's dad. So... James Franco's brother? Yeah, yeah. It's a weird story. Like, James Franco's mom was married to a guy named John Franco. Oh, that's that's right. She had a bunch of monogram towels that already said Franco, and she was like, I don't want to switch out these in the guest bathroom. So she found a dude named Larry Franco, married him, had Dave Franco as a kid. So they're, like, technically half-brothers, I guess. Um, so James Franco and Dave Franco... Let me get this straight. They both have the same mom, but they have separate dads, both with the last name Franco. Yeah, it's crazy, man. How did Miss Franco find the other Franco, the new Franco? Uh, Craigslist ad. So as every week, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, As always, wherever you're listening to us today, uh, feel free to take 30 seconds to like us, rate us, tell your friends, tell anybody within listening distance that we are going to do the Halloween thing all month long. For sure. We will be here with you every Monday. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back next week. Boo. It's your thing.